Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance podcast by Gabi Abdelgadir. This is episode 116, and today I have an incredible guest for you, Dr. Chris Belfry. I will briefly read his bio that he sent me, but he will tell you who he is. Um, Dr. Chris Belfry, ever since... He says, ever since a near-death experience in MVA at age 13, I have wanted to help people. Since then, I have naively wanted to help people. And with my inquisitive mind, I set on that journey. Along the way, I continued to search why some people get better and some don't. It was a realization that so many of the root of our issues stem from our emotional state. Today. I help people on a much deeper level than I did as a chiropractor. As a healer and coach, I specialize in teaching people to resolve chronic health issues by relaxing their nervous system, connecting their mind and body and releasing old wounds and traumas so that they can heal, they can feel more calm, happier and better health. I will be sharing his bio uh, uh, both on my podcast and my YouTube channel and his social media links. Please do get in touch with him and connect with him. Ask all the questions you need. Um, welcome to my podcast, Dr. Chris Belfry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This You're is awesome. Welcome. Okay, so you are a chiropractic doctor. That's what I just read. Yeah, so that's just really by trade. I don't... I want to confuse people? I don't do chiropractic anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a long journey, but yeah, I I really, I kind of really wanted to get deeper into helping people, and uh, chiropractic was part of that journey. This was part of the journey. Okay, tell uh, share about the thirteen year old experience you had. Yeah, the so, accident you had. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my. It was my parents' anniversary, so they were going away on a on a vac- on a weekend getaway. So my grandmother was taking us to their or to our family cottage, and along the way we were in an accident. And oh, yeah. um, it was the accident wasn't the scariest part. It was really just that the damage that happened. My parents, or so my the car hit a rock cut. So that's where you know on the side of the road where the the rocks kind of above. We kind of hit that rock, and my forehead hit the. Um, the seatbelt in front, not the seatbelt, but the back in those cars used to have the ashtrays. My forehead hit mm-hmm. the ashtray, and um, and so I actually looked like the best. Like my sister had terrible um, wounds from the seatbelt. My grandmother was older, so she had some broken bones. So they thought I was actually was the best out of the deal. But when I got to the hospital, uh, I was moaning and moaning in pain, and they didn't know where this pain was coming from. So I, I ended up ha- going into emergency surgery and I had a, I'd cut my bowel in four places. Oh, and wow. so, uh, yeah. And in recovery, uh, I wasn't getting better and they couldn't understand why. And so, um, and, and, and my health was deteriorating. And at the time he just never really questioned doctors. He just did what the doctor says. And my mom was getting nurses were coming in the back and saying like secretly saying, like you need to get your son a second opinion here. Like there's something, there's something wrong here. And, but the doctor assured her that this was normal. So they didn't do anything, my mom and dad. And then even a, 
um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not a priest, but a, a female, uh, you know, priest, uh, you, nun. A nun came and was like, "We're really worried about your son." I was speaking with the nurses, and you really should do something. And you know, that was the grace of God, and came and my, they had a, a doctor come with a second opinion. And uh, I don't really know the specifics. I can't remember, but there was like moments before I was, you know, going to pass. I had, I, I guess, an infection. It was could go s systemic, meaning causing a boatload of issues. So uh, the doctor rushed me and uh, ended up being fine. And within five days, I was out of the hospital and on to repair. But it was really in that moment, I just saw everyone just stepping forward and really wanted me to get better. And you know, I'm like, I, I, I love seeing that. And that's really what I wanted to do with my life. And it was in that moment, I just realized I wanted to help other people. And I didn't see that myself. It was like, other people were sharing that later, as I just had this desire, this quest of like, wanting to understand how the body worked, how the body thought, you know, how we think, you know, a lot of maybe, you know, maybe boys want to like take a truck apart and put it back together or computer. For me, it was the human body that I was really amazed Fantastic. with. And so, yeah. yeah. So that led me to go to school um, and to be a chiropractor. Yep. And it was in chiropractic that I realized that chiropractic can help 75% of 75% of the people. And as I kind of mentioned my bio, I was kind of naive. And I said, I just want to help everybody. Like, I think everybody can heal. And uh, I wanted to be that guy. And and I remember people would come and question me, like, why am I? So I started studying all these techniques. And, you know, from chiropractic, acupuncture, energy work. And I remember a guy, a doctor, a chiropractor, you know, was, came to me. He's like, why are you, you know, why are you doing all this? I said, look, if I got to go to climb a tree in the top of... Africa to find something to help people. That's what I wanted to do. And, and so that just, that was my journey. So I, once I graduated from chiropractic school, I was actually waiting. I was going to move to Kentucky to practice. And my mom, I went home for Christmas and, um, and I had to wait a couple of months to write a, an exam. Um, so in that time I was at home hanging out and my mom was seeing this guy and he was really what it is now. I understand it's, it was a form of energy work, but that's not what they call it. Either way, uh, he was doing some really cool stuff. He was helping people with all sorts of things, more than I, I saw in any of the techniques I'd learned. And I'm like, oh, I want to learn this. And he's like, well, I'll teach it to you. So I stuck around. Well, I put does off my... this guy have a name? Yeah, his name is uh, uh, Mike LaPointe. But it's actually from a doctor. This is where drama gets in. So I don't really... You know, this it's a crazy long story. The but the technique actually came from a doctor. Um, Dr. Barbeau out of Quebec. His name was uh Dr. Baboni. His technique was esodynamics. And so that's really what I, I had learned. But then I started to realize that it had its own flaws because I'd learned so much in my chiropractic and learning all those techniques. So yeah. I ended up creating my own technique. And I started to practice that. And what I really noticed was like, even with chiropractic, what I didn't like with chiropractic is, you know, people can get better, but they weren't like either getting fully better or, you know, they'd always have to come back. And I'm like, well, if I'm actually doing my job, then they shouldn't come back. They should be fixed and be good. And in my own personal story, you know, when I was sharing it with before, you know, I used to have an extreme allergy to cats, like 
uh, they touched me. I would get a hive where they touched me within minutes of being in the room. I couldn't breathe. And that would, would create like a misalignment or a subluxation is what a chiropractor would say. And so I'd get adjusted and the symptoms would clear as far as like the breathing, I could breathe again. But if I go around another cat, boom, come back and it's Same. this cycle. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if I was really getting to the root of the problem, why isn't this going away? And so those are my why, quite like, why was this happening? And it really, uh, once I started working on people, I started to start to get to know people. I started to hear the history. I started to hear, you know, the stories, you know, not just from today, like they hurt their back, but, you know, their past stories. Yeah. And I started to realize how some of these stories were impacting their well-being. And so I started to work on that emotional aspect. And, um, and so I started to work on emotions. All of a sudden, people are going and never coming back. I'd see people uh, with allergies not come back. I'd have people with back pain not come back. And I was like, wow, these emotions are really tied to the root of the problem. Do you do but, energy work on them? Yeah. So this is what I was doing at the time. So okay. uh, I still do that today, but I really going to transition uh, a deal. And I'll get into that in a second. But yeah. really what, because I want to just highlight this aspect of like, how the emotions, because I still, you know, uh, people still are coming back. So I don't want people to think, oh my God, I, you know, cause I had those clients, like, you know, I have clients that come one time, I had one client that came one time and he must've referred like, I don't know, half his, half his town, like literally 50 people at least would came. But the problem was, I mean, it's great. And that was amazing, a miracle, but everyone wanted the one shot deal. And, and I, and that's not the case. We all have our own stories, our own issues. Yeah. You know, you know, he came with back pain and this guy with knee pain wanted to be better in one visit. And this person with shoulder pain that had for 30 years wanted to be better in one visit. So it had its own like <laughs> issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but that was only key because I'm always learning from these people. So I'm like, why does this guy get better? And this one didn't. And, um, you know, another client really was the key that really, there's a few, but this one was really good. Um, he hated his job. He knew to the day when he was going to retire and he was good too. He referred a lot of people and he was like, Chris, you know, I referred a lot of people and some of them never come back. Like they're great. They, you know, the problem's gone. Why do I have to keep coming back? Like every four to six weeks. And I knew it was his job, but the stress was constant. Like every day he's got to go back to work. Yeah. So it's not like something from the, past that I can you know work through this is an ongoing stress yeah. and you know it's funny enough he's like Chris when am I never going to see you and I told him I said when you retire mm -hmm. and he kind of laughed and you know because this was years ago and this was before really people understood emotions you know this was like in the 90s early to like late 90s early 2000s where you know no not too many people were talking about how their emotions played a role yes so I kind of cool. You know, I joked around with people and kind of explained a little bit about, but not a, a lot of people knew that I was working on some emotions because, uh, you know, they weren't ready to, not everyone was ready to hear that, right? Yeah. Uh, where their back pain was related to, you know, some childhood abuse, which I would work on. And so um, as we continue. Did, did you just say back pain could be from child abuse? Because I have yes. severe back pain. Yes. Not in everybody, but I've had clients where that was some of the problems. Right? I was bitten. Like I, I got that beating of my life in, in junior school, even including it. Like 
high school it was only once but right. i got and then at home from my wow. mom so yeah, yeah i got well, a lot of beating if it was in canada i would be in a shelter right now the neighbors would have called somebody or the the nuns that used to beat me would have been in prison by now wow. yeah so i do maybe that's that you just said something that really never thought about so back pain and childhood abuse yeah okay. it depends on the abuse uh and so depends beating. on how you yeah depends on how you felt um in angry. the situation very right? angry yeah yeah so it could be angry there's lots of things yeah anger is lots um you know i had one lady who was more sexual abuse from an uncle and she came in for back pain and her back pain got better and but she, what she didn't know is I was working on the emotion. And then she later went and after 30 years or 35 years of never talking to her uncle, yet every summer they had a family reunion and he was there. Ew. And, Sorry. Yeah. I have to no, say that. I couldn't resist. Absolutely. But the coolest part of it is like once she got rid of the, the blocks, her back pain went away, but she also felt so much better. She confronted her her uncle and, you know, and came to terms with it. it was like it was a miracle yet she never relates it to the to the treatment i get it because you know but I, this was a long long time ago when people you know now it would be different i would talk to him about it and you totally open um but getting back to the one gentleman there yeah so you know eventually he retired nope. and, okay and then he stopped coming in like he came in one time, I think he was back in his backyard doing some work. And then, you know, it was sporadic. And then um, the funny thing is that him and his wife would come in and they would sit there and bicker the whole time in the waiting room, you know, and it was just like constantly like bicker, bicker, bicker. And then he would come in and complain about the weekend. Like, you know, they went to the cottage and bicker, bicker. And then she would complain about him and, you know, um, and so, uh, so, so, but anyways, that went on and then she retired and then he started to come in again every <laughs> four to six weeks because the new stress is now at home. Uh, you know, so that constant bickering yeah. where he had this escape of, you know, just evenings with her, he was able to deal with it. So, um, and so that was like, wow, that kind of led me to like really working on how the emotions play a role, like how this deep seated stuff and how now like our wives, our job, our, you know, our situations that are externally are all just gifts to us right now. Yeah. Right. They're just signals. They're, they're communicating to us. Our body's telling us, Oh, yeah. there's something we need to listen to in our bodies. It's like, there's, there's something we need to get rid of. It's just a gift that, our body's trying to tell us something to let tell go. Tell us something. Yeah, always. Like I think, I think right. we gotta listen to our body. That I have learned. Yeah, and then right. um, that. Have you uh, studied or do you use NLP? Yep. Yep. So I use NLP. Um, uh, I, I specifically use like the, uh, an anchoring anchoring technique, but that's my main one. Okay. So what I really do. I mean, it's mostly all anchoring. I teach people to anchor their breath to relax their nervous system. So that's really what I do now. So I shift from, you know, I still see people in person and I do the work, but I really, I really want to empower people to heal themselves. Then they don't have to see me. They can do it themselves. I give them the tools. So I teach people now to relax their nervous system and why? So that way they can connect and listen to what's going on in their heads. We're so busy. TV, video games, you know, 
uh, Netflix, jobs, you know, and then we try to, you know, hide, we push that away with alcohol or drugs or, you know, you know, porn or sex or our work. We, we try to distract that busy mind. I, I tell people like, let's calm your nervous system and listen, what is it telling us? And so I teach them to notice their triggers, you know, our, our emotions, they're all just gifts. You know, I tell people anger is a gift. Why is it a gift? Because it tells you that there's something that needs to clear in your body. But until you recognize like, where is it? You have to, and I teach people how to connect that. And so once you kind of get that, it's like hide and go seek. It's just got to find it. And then your body will release it through a process that I teach people to do. And it's just online. It's all mindfulness. uh, And there's some exercise that I give and some practice and some tools that I give people as well to help them work through their stuff. Okay. That's incredible. So uh, you use uh, energy work, NLP, a combination of everything. And then do you use chiropractor? Do you practice chiropractor on some of them, like with the shoulder pain or back pain? No. So I don't see people in person anymore. Uh, Well, I mean, I do. But when I see people online that come to, to, who want to learn how to, to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't see them in person. So if they have shoulder so it's pain, all the sho- yeah, the shoulder pain is a, a gift. So what's the that shoulder pain telling you? You know, I I had neck pain one day, and you know I've been doing this a long time. The chiropractic part was I know where some points are, acupuncture. I know where some points are to let eliminate pain. And I'd woken up with neck pain, so I thought, oh, I just slept funny. Well, I rubbed the points and did the things that normally would go away if it's a physical thing. Well, nothing changed. So I'm like, what's going on? So I did my practice, and in that practice, I realized uh, it was some emotional stuff related to my mom. Uh, my mom, uh, my my parents usually go to Mexico for the winter, but my mm-hmm. mom, uh, with COVID and everything, my mom's chosen. I I asked her to help my daughter online schooling. I didn't have time to work and you know teach my daughter. Teach. So my mom, you know, said she will help her till November. So she stayed, but that was an adjustment. Now she's in my house, you know, in uh, 24, seven, seven days a week as a grown man, that was an adjustment for me, you know, cause you know, uh, having her in your space, you know, and I realized that I just had to work through that and set some brown boundaries around my mom, around the space. I, it's not that I didn't want her there. I loved her and I'm grateful that she came, but there was just some things that were bothering me that I didn't share. And once I did, de- once I cleared that, it allowed me to open up and share that because it could be some fear of, you know, like, how could you, it's your mom and things you, you don't want to say, but once I said it, she was great and everything was perfect after that. Yeah. And then I think uh, what happens is when one thing I learned from my own mom is when they get older, they become more sensitive. They complain yes. a lot nothing really pleases them at least that's what i experienced with my mom and she was not that old but all of a sudden the last five years of her life she started remembering stuff from her childhood right which gave me a reason gave me i think it was a relief that she told me the last time i saw her before she passed how she was punished as a child and then i was in a plane one day started to think that the type of beating that I got from her, where it came from, 
because that is the way she grew up. Right. Yeah, so that's my grandma apparently was a tough cookie as well. So, but that was how punishment right. was those days, right? But it was way too much, you know? Right. And then uh, they, they when they get older, I have seen it also with my friends and all that. They uh, tell the same story over and over. There is the little forgetfulness comes in, very sensitive. They complain about everything. Uh, they're not grateful for whatever you do for them. I think not all of them could be like that, but I have seen that happen as they get older. So they need a lot of patience, I guess. Right. Well, because if... You know, and that's very true. And there's different levels of that. I mean, sometimes I see with complaints, there's usually a complaint. Uh, is there something underneath that? You know, and so it's kind of like, well, let's explore what's underneath that. So what they're telling you, we always think that that's, that's at face value. Like, oh, my house is dirty. Well, it's usually something below that. There's something that's missing. You know, maybe they don't feel heard. They don't feel seen. Um, it could be like, you know, uh, they just need attention. Uh, attention. Oh my God. Yes. Right. That is huge. Attention right. is huge when people get older. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's, you know, and, and that's why, you know, people I talk to sometimes, you know, when I work with some clients, some people don't want to get better and they'll come and say, Oh yeah, I do. And, and as I start to navigate a conversation with them, I realize, you know, the pain, their pain is a, is a part of their life and they use their pain for attention as a child. We, kids use um, negative attention. So, or like negative behavior for attention. Well, adults, you can't really act out that way. So often pain becomes that. And so, you know, I use my intuitive ability sometimes in some of these clients to, you know, find, you know, Hey, this is what we have to work through. Are you ready to work through that? And some aren't, you know, but it's, it, it you know, if you really want to get better, well, that's what half you have to do. And so some may not work with me or some I choose not to because they, you know, they don't want to really be better. Yeah, right. It's, I guess, yeah. And this isn't therapy. You know what I do? You don't have to review, re review your whole life history. Um, and I, I partly why I think therapy doesn't work because it's just talking, talking about, and you're only going to be talking about what you're comfortable in your box. And so it's similar with these people. Like if you don't do anything with your past luggage, so you're carrying that along. Now you're like 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. You're carrying your stuff from your childhood that you never dealt with. Yeah. And if it's, and when I talk about a trauma, it doesn't have to be abuse. It doesn't have like physical or emotional or mental abuse. You know, it could have been your parents separated and that was a big deal for you. It could have been like, I've had clients where like they've had a younger brother and that was like, oh, I'm not good enough. My parents had to have a, another child. You know, I share stories like you wanted a red bike and you got a blue bike. It wasn't a big deal, but you know, at six years old, it was a big deal. One of my biggest trauma you know, was my parents used to tease me that they found me under a damp rock and I had a, a ton of yeah. unlovable. Oh my God, join the club because my mom yeah. and my brother used to tell me they found me in a garbage bin. Right. Yeah. And I was sensitive. And I, I remember I ran away from home uh, more than once and my parents thought it was funny. So they, you know, they continued the story and I felt this, I had this huge issue with rejection that carried my life. And, you know, uh, I was, I've been in personal development for a long time. So I'd even used, you know, I watched the secret. I had made the secret like a great way to hide the, 
package my fear of of rejection. You know, when a, a perfect example would be a woman. Like, I I made this list of like you know Barbie doll like you know it, the list was ridiculous. You know, like they couldn't have any children. They had to like the looks was like a ten out of ten. I mean, probably twelve out of ten. You know, they they couldn't like you know cats was an issue at the time, so they can't have any cats. For whatever reason, I thought horses was just ridiculous to want to like horses, expensive, time-consuming. Anyone who liked horses was out. You know, and I lived in Sudbury, so north, normal to have horses for some people. Um, and so, you know, I started dating people, and it'd be like, uh, oh, you have cats? Oh, done talking to her. Like, I met a, I met a perfect, like, a really a beautiful woman. I mean... You know, she had a great job. She was intelligent. I mean, she we were like-minded. And she's like, oh, and I love horses. I got my own horse. I got a stable. I live out in the country. And that was the last, that's the last thing I remember about our conversation because I tuned her out. I'm like, oh, she's not <laughs> off my list, right? Because it's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had covered it so bad. And so even if I dated a girl, they pretty much had to like bang me over the head with a stick and drag me to the cave to, to make it obvious that they were interested and then I would date them for about three months and either like, you know, you know, I acted like a total jerk. So they would dump me or I just was kind of ignored them that I just kind of like severed, you know, just because I was afraid of that rejection to business. People would um, unsubscribe from my email list. I would feel that in my body. I would, I would be hurt. Like, how could they do that? Like, do they not like my emails? Is it something I wrote about? And so then I would go back and check mm-hmm. what they read and I, I made it about me, me. And it was that fear, right? Like, well, how could they reject me? And to the point where like, you know, I, you know, I just finished school. I was starting this whole new practice and I had to hire someone because I was afraid to collect money or even rebook somebody because in case they said no, like they didn't want to come back and make that would oh, be the biggest yeah. pain. And there was those people. And sometimes, and a lot, a lot of those times too, like uh, it would be because they were feeling better and they didn't need to come back. But I didn't know that. I just took it like, oh, I must not have done a good enough job. I wasn't Aww. good enough. You know, yeah. and it was just this, you know, um, and, you know, uh, the biggest, you know, craziest thing is it wasn't until, you know, my wife and my ex-wife now had separated that I realized, I'm like, oh my God this was the biggest gift. I realized that was the biggest rejection I could have experienced. And, uh, but that was the key for me to realize how I reject, uh, you know, you can accept the change because I had to be aware of it. But then I started to use the technique I learned to work through all that stuff because I wouldn't have been able to share this with you out of embarrassment or, you know, our story would have gone in head. Heck, I probably wouldn't even met you because I would have been too in my head about you judging me yeah. to, uh, or not accept me even when I was dating it'd be like I wouldn't even you know swipe or talk to a total stranger woman but just in case she would reject me it was just like well how am I ever going to meet someone it was just like you know I look back at like how absurd I allowed this to go on and and uh, and that's part of what you know getting a coach is about is ha- finding these blind spots because I didn't know that and, did you uh, have coaches did you have to hire a coach yeah, I mean, I I hired um, I I hired a men's coach through the separation. Um, mm-hmm. but I've always been in workshops. I've always been in trainings. I've always been doing that. Um, but 
you know, the whole... Anybody from the movie The Secret at all? Did you join any no. of their classes? Oh, yes. Uh, this, yes. Yeah. So I did... Uh, what was this? John uh, Asraf. Yeah. yeah. And the, the other guy there that... Um, he had that pro- no, one? he had that problem with uh, people that died in their... Um, oh, my goodness sauna. gracious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I can't even remember his name. He, uh, yeah, he either. They suffocated. He suffocated them, but he, it, was, yeah, it was supposed right. to be a practice which ended. And the mistake he did was, instead of staying when people died, he took the right. first plane out and ran away from it. Right. He was in prison, eh? Yeah, but still, there were people who still believed in him, and uh, he healed yeah. them and all that, even when he was in prison. Right. Oh, I did yeah. the millionaire mind. Uh, the millionaire uh, mind. What is the name there? T. R. Veckard. I did his. Yeah. Oh, I love. Uh, but T. Yeah. R. Hacker was not in the secret. Yeah, but he is. He's. I like him. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and a, and a friend. Um, uh, mutual friend Steve. He did Bob Proctor, and so I, me and him are really close so i did uh connect a lot with like what he learned from bob and stuff too yeah he was my very first mentor may he rest in peace bob proctor yeah Yeah. i did his uh 13 month coaching program okay and then i attended his six day the matrix seminar live uh oh yeah i did another four and a half months different training with him and three others uh followed by two and a half days in los angeles so i did he was my very first mentor yeah and i have done with john asaraf and i have done obviously you know that i'm certified by jack canfield Uh and um, the only person my biggest regret that i haven't seen when when i was in los angeles is dr Um, bernard you know the black guy with reds he's cut his hair oh yes yes yeah his yep. name is Bernard. He has a huge church in LA. Oh, wow. And I like I used to go quite often and the especially the time we were there for four months. I never got the chance to go to his church. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah was... but I really like that guy as well, right? He is so good. His story it's... is incredible. Yeah. I, I there was something I'm not sure what like the secret, like, didn't like, didn't hit me yep. on that level. I guess I was too, like, looking at my store. I was too more into like, you know, about the why about people and and my own not being good enough to keep learning more techniques. Yeah. So a lot of my time was learning technique after technique to be better and better because of my own, you know, person it's that got better, but in my own fear of rejection that he didn't get better. So. You know, I, I I was like, I figured if I was like this amazing guy, I could get everybody better, then the money would come, and I didn't have to ever yeah. worry about that. Yeah, and then we learned about that. the law yeah. of attraction, right? That's right. when we right. really became aware of the law of attraction that we have to watch our thoughts, like we have to think positive, we have to be consistent, because the more negative you think, the more whatever we think with emotion right. we attract. So that's how right. we learn. If that movie or that book hadn't come out, still people, um, I don't know. There are a lot of people who did though before, right? As a man thinks, so is he. Yeah. That was a very old book that uh, Bob Proctor suggested we read it when we did the coaching program. Which uh, one, sir? 
as a man thinker. Oh, man thinker. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I've seen that. That, that yeah. was a great book. Yeah. Very, yeah. That was one of the first books he recommended we read. And then followed, obviously, he, he was obsessed by Think and Grow Rich. Yep. Um, and then Think and Grow Rich. And a lot of other books, The Power of Intention, uh, The yep. Science of Getting Rich. Oh, my God, I love that book. And I love that uh, he's got a whole training about the science of getting rich. Absolutely okay. incredible. That book needs reading again. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, there are books that are worth going back even after one year or two years. What's your, what what book changed your life? Before we end up, I have a couple more yeah. questions. Yeah, there, you know, really there's so many different times in my life, you know. Um, you know, early on, um, The Man Who Sold His Ferrari was really... Oh, my God, I love that book. Oh, yeah. my goodness, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then there was um that was Robin Sharma, right? Yeah. Robin Sharma. It's been a yeah. while, yeah. Okay. There was those uh what's his Michael Singer's books. Um those were really impactful. Uh he what was his uh, living no untethered? Living no, that's his newest book, Living Untethered. The Journey of the Souls, I think was one. It was it was I think Journey of the Souls. It's like he goes on his he tells a story of his life. Um, you know, just did this van trip, and it's really remarkable about how he created. Like, think about like what he thought about. He created like just it would just show up for him. Like he created his own ashram in the middle of the woods, and he's like, he needed more land, and then just like, well, like, it's too much money. Just like all this thing would come to him, and he had a job, and he's like, well, I don't really want to work. It was just like this whole thought of just kind of putting it on the universe, just like exactly yeah. how we're like you you learn and you know taking maybe the law of attraction to another level put in and put in the practice. And that's how I always learned of like how other people did it rather than just like from that story side, you know, that's why I always, that's why I loved like going to, you know, retreats or workshops where you in group settings, because you, I learned so much from other people's stories. Oh, I like love listen. group settings and I'm right. going, by the way, I'm going for CLA in October. That's amazing. Are you going to do it? Um, and thinking about it, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, for sure, yeah. definitely gonna think. Yeah, about it. this yeah. would be my first trip, like in four years. I haven't been in. Uh, what are we? COVID is three years. Yeah, four years. I haven't been in a plane. Wow. And I have huge family in Maryland, so I'm gonna go for the three days for oh, CNA. Wow. Yeah, and nice. then, uh, then move to my family at least spend some a few days with them before I got I get back. Yeah, so I can't yeah. wait to meet everybody, hug everybody. Think Amazing. about it. Yeah, it would be yeah, nice absolutely. to meet everybody in person. Absolutely. I mean, I'm yeah. just new to the group. I'm just trying to meet everybody. And yes, get a yes. Do your right, coffee, so. do yeah. your coffee, uh, Zoom meetings and, and all yeah. that. Get to know people. There are a lot of good people. There are quite a few amazing Canadians as well. I know. I've met yeah. a few. Yeah. yeah. There are Don and there is Gordon. There is uh, Al-Karim Shatur. Yeah. yeah. Al-Karim Shatur. He is very spiritual. So he could also be very, all of them actually, they're very spiritual. So. And there is uh, Marianne and there is, uh, who else, Gabby in Canada. There are quite a few new ones that I haven't yeah. uh, done coffee with. There are, I think, yeah. a couple more Canadians that I haven't. I, I want to mention a few more books, too, because I really, and yeah. re like, through my separation, I was really big. And, and I really kind of got to a plane of, like, I thought a new energy. I've been doing energy work in, in, in. By next year, it'll be 20 years. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And 
I thought I knew everything about energy work, at least not everything, but so much. And uh, through this separation, I realized there's a difference between a, a masculine energy and a feminine energy. And it's not about our gender. Mm-hmm. And that took me to a whole new level in how we think. And so for me, um, the way of the superior man by uh, uh, David data was really big. And um, the masculine in relationships was really big for me. I don't, and that's, uh, I don't know those books. So I haven't read that. Yeah. It was probably for your male audience, the counterpart mm-hmm. for the female, which I read the book as well, just to understand where the women side comes from was um, Queens code by Alison Armstrong. And that was a really good book too. Just to kind of, for women to understand how men think. Because everyone goes to like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. But this takes you to different levels. Yeah, Yeah, that was like a very old book that I got. Like I read like God knows when, years and years ago. Men are from Mars. Oh, yes. Yeah, that one. It's a very old book. I think people love it. It didn't resonate with me personally. But I think people did love that book. It didn't make. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel any connection with that book, yeah. you know, like, but, but it was, people loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of gives, it's kind of a surface level, but you know, it has helped me to understand women better and men better. Like, you know, how men act and how women act are different and how we think are different. And, you know, it's a bit loosely genderizing here a bit, but uh, um, yeah, it was really, it's been, those books were big. Um and obviously the the body keeps score from a, an emotional standpoint of understanding how our body holds on to anything dr sarno books on uh on back pain and how the somatovisceral or visceral somatic issues meaning like pain from your organs and pain from emotions cause problem, like how it's connected to the nervous system mm-hmm. were also pretty cool books that i've read okay that's cool yeah, yeah. so um yeah, I think I am focused more on um, spiritual books right now. Uh, anything spiritual, like um, like the Doctor Wayne Dyer's, the Hey Louise Hayes. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, you would uh, love yeah. him, Michael Singer. It's really yeah. good. Living and I saw this. I don't know who showed yeah. me. Yeah. I think it must have been at work that I saw this book. Yeah, that's a really yeah. Can he's, you, he's extremely can, spiritual. Absolutely. Yeah, remind me on yeah. Messenger because I need a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I this is not the first time somebody shows me. I don't have it, okay. so yeah. So, I usually yeah. mark books where, like I find like amazing things, and I, you can see like yeah, I, know, I probably I know. normally I have like maybe 10, 10 like aha moments, and there's got to be about thirty. That's oh, how many. My. That's how good it is. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, Jose yeah. does that as well. Jose always is like highlighting his stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, me me too. Like I put yellow stickies if I yeah. want to repeat something. But I also have a habit of every two years repeating one book that somehow helped me change my life in any right. way. Yeah, it's yeah. A repetition is good sometimes. There are goods that are books that are keepers for life, right? Right. That's this, and and normally if it's just like maybe a line or a paragraph i write in a book and so i read that book instead of reading the whole book again i'll read like my highlighted section i write in my own little journal and so i'll read the highlighted parts of the book but there was so many like where i had like two pages of reading i'm like wow that was a really good book and i mean i read a fairly number of books and yeah it was a big one yeah i just donated i think it was last year 
2021 summer, I donated 430 books to Value Village. Wow. And I have about maybe 400 at home, but these yeah. ones are keepers. Yeah. And I have boxes of books in my brother-in-law's basement because I live in a, like, in, not in a house. Yeah. So I have boxes of books that I need to go back and review what they are. But yeah, but so that's how is... addicted I am to books. Okay. So here's a per this is what I do. So like uh, me too. I, uh, when I s separated, you know, I gave away after already giving away a ton of books, you know, we, she kept books. I kept books. We gave away maybe, oh, at least a hundred books. What I started doing was taking them out of the library. Oh yeah. And, and so I go to the library. And so this living untethered, I got it from the library and I read the first like three chapters and I'm like, oh, I got to get this. It was so good. I'm like, I got to buy this book because it's I a keeper. Buy, okay. That's a good thing. Yeah. So yeah. I find like, uh, that's what I do now. I just sign books. I, if I can't get them from the library, I'll buy them. And if not, I'll just sign them out the library. If it's that good, I go buy it. I tried to do that. Like I got a book, I went to the library and I wanted to um, get a book called uh, A Happy Pocket Full of Money. Apparently it has changed a lot of people financially, that book anyway. Okay. So I said, okay, I got to get it from my mastermind group. I got to get that. So I decided to go to the library, get a copy because I don't like those extremely tiny fonts and things like that. And I wanted to see. And then I go to the library they tell me you have 36 people waiting for that book before you. Oh, wow. 36 people waiting to get that book. That's how good it is. Has to be. Right. Yeah. So I ended so, up getting an ebook and I have it on my tablet, which I haven't touched yet. But yeah, yeah. but, but I want to read it on my tablet first. And if I, um, I, I gotta write that. Remind me of that one too. I gotta check it. Yeah, out. I will. I will message it to you. Yeah. I'll message it to you. So happy another pocket good one too. With happy pocket was busting loose from the money game. Oh yeah, I love that book. Yeah, busting loose from too. the money game. Yeah, that that yeah. is that is a good book as well. Okay, so I think we are way over time. And oh, yes. then, uh, so what is your last? I know we could talk more, but uh, what is your advice to people? My advice to people, yeah. Um, my advice is, you know, really it's why suffer? You don't have to work through this stuff. It's really, you don't have to go through therapy when you, if you want to get something in your life, if you're stuck, if you're, you know, you're in a place where you just don't know what's next, you know, find someone to help, whether it's a coach, a friend, you know, reach out and, um, you know, and, uh, yeah. Mentor and share. Make, Don't just, and share. just right. keep quiet Absolutely. and suffer, right? Right. Yeah. So just, I will you know. be, uh, so it has been a pleasure having you on my podcast yeah, today. Likewise. It was really yeah. awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Me. Thank you so much. Until the next episode, everybody, uh, stay blessed. Wishing you grace, peace, and balance. Talk soon.